Hi, I'm Mark, and welcome to Talk to the Bands, the podcast that is passionate about contemporary music. Our guest today is a UK female vocalist and pianist who has performed and recorded with the band Thunder. She's also shared the stage with the likes of Dame Cleo Lane, Scott Gurham from Finn Lizzie, and Andy Taylor from Duran Duran. For the last 10 years, she has been touring with the Australian Pink Floyd Show, performing in countless arenas in London, Europe, America, and Canada. A warm welcome to Emily Lynn. Emily, thank you so much for being on the show today. No worries. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Can we start at the beginning? You first started in music when you were just four, apparently. Is that correct? Yeah, I did uh, Suzuki violin. Um, my mom, my dad was a classical musician. Um, so it was, I think it was like the, the thing in those days. It was like an alternative uh, way of learning music. And it's very parent, your parents kind of run how you do it at home. And it's about listening and um and feeling and stuff it's, it's it's a bit hippie but um it definitely trained my ear and I started reading dots before I started reading words but the, the dots were like big bees you know big pictures of bees and stuff but that was like a really good um start I think for my um for training my ear you then trained at the Guildhall School of Music when you were 15 yeah so I did a um the, it's called the like, is it apprentice or something course it's like a Saturday morning course but it actually wasn't in music it was in drama I, I kind of after ditching the violin and learning the trumpet with my dad I kind of really got into musical theatre um as a teenager um started singing um and wanted to do a bit of acting and I just went for the audition because my dad went to Guildhall that was why um I ended up there um just on Saturdays and yeah it was acting but again really wasn't couldn't really find my my feet I really wasn't that into it um so um around the same time I was doing the musical uh, the theatre train and the National Youth Music Theatre which was kind of more my style because I was more singing rather than the straight acting at Guildhall um and yeah um that was what I really loved and then when I finished school I went to a drama school in London called Italia Conti and did a diploma there in um, in voice and then I just thought you know what I really don't like this musical theatre malarkey it's too jazz hands it's too I just can't I can't do this um and I didn't get didn't get on with the dancing um and so I just felt like my my place was being a musician and being with the lads, you know, being with a, a section of singers, and and that was um, what led me to to go to um, to go to Leeds and study popular music. At what point in your life did you realise that all you wanted to do was music? It was just something that we always did, you know. My both my parents being musicians, it was just as normal as getting up and brushing your teeth in the morning, you know, it, you, it's just something that you did. Um, however, when I started touring, um, my mum and dad kept a box, they called it the Emily box, and it had all my little reports, school reports and stuff in it, things I'd drawn. And there was one report that I had written when I was 16 that we had to do just before leaving school, and it was, what do you want to do when you're older, you know, that classic line. And I had written in there, having no idea what I was going to do, really, I'd written, all I want to do is sing and travel. And I was like, and we were just like, wow, we can't, I just can't believe that it's manifested in this way, you know, I'm just... I'm so lucky and uh, amazed that I, I wanted to, I probably did want to do that when I was younger, but, you know, didn't think much of it. Have they managed to see you uh, performing professionally? 
Um, yes, they've seen quite a lot of things that I've been involved in, with over the years. I used to go and see Dad at the English National Opera and he used to be in the pit and he used to sort of wave up at me and I used to wave down at him and it was like a really special moment. You know, this is when I was really young going to the opera. I was, you know, I think my first opera, I was in a Moses basket. And then the first, like the first, the most memorable gigs was at the Hammersmith Apollo. I think it was the first year I joined Ozzy Floyd and um, it was an amazing, you know, we've played lots of different amazing venues, but Hammersmith Apollo and my mum and dad were there. It was their first ever rock concert. They'd never been to see Pit like a Pink Floyd show or anything like that. Barely listened to any, you know, pop or rock music. And there I was at the end of the show, waving up at him and he was waving down at me. And it was just that exchange. And it was just like, oh, it was like tears in our eyes and everything. It was, it was just so, such a proud moment for, for the whole family, really. And kind of gone full circle as well, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. The whole full circle. So it's just, it's worked out perfectly. <laughs> so let's talk about some of your inspirations. Who did you grow up listening to? What musicians and singers kind of inspired you and did you find yourself gravitating towards? I think I grew up, uh, my dad was in the choir from, he's been a chorister for, since he was seven and my mum's been a lay reader for 20 years. So I did grow up with a lot of uh, church kind of choral music and I think that's why um, I love a cappella music so much and choral stuff and quite like, lots of plain singing, plain song. Um, that kind of music really speaks to me in not like a religious way but like a spiritual way and it's just very calming, very nostalgic, very beautiful. Like there's a song called... Um, Lullaby Goodnight My Angel by Billy Joel but the King Singers do a live arrangement the King Singers are a little six part six piece a cappella group and it's just there's something about their voices that are just it's just so nostalgic I could listen to that all day long if I was on a desert island that would be the song that I would listen to over and over again but people who know me would not think that I would choose that song because of the kinds of work that I do and I don't do anything like the King Singers but that the King Singers um, and the Swingle Singers have been very influential to me and I just think it's just such beautiful singing. So do you think it's growing up in that environment and listening to that music it's maybe giving you that mindset of loving the layered vocals and being part of the overall sounds? Yeah, definitely. And that's the reason why I'm, I do what I do now and uh, provide this uh, 24-hour BV service. Check it out, emilynvocals.com. <laughs> I'll make <laughs> sure we do a link, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you leave um, your education and you start, well, you start your career singing in Celebrity Christmas Cards. Yeah, I think that might have been one of the first ever um, professional jobs I had, maybe, or second um, and it was, and it, I got it through the college with two other girls. And um, I think it was Hallmark. They were sending celebrities, um, like radio show hosts and, and stuff, um, little, these, uh, you know, singing cards. So we had to sing into these cards and they would get posted off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about Dame Cleo Lane and Thunder? Yeah. So, um, well, the acapella thing has been huge for me and I used to like a group that aren't together unfortunately anymore called Vive um, and the singer, one of the singers, um, Emily Dankworth, her her grandma is named Cleo Lane. So, um, so just by chance um, they needed someone to dep in their acapella group and obviously that was kind of my thing and we actually went to the stables, we rehearsed in 
Dame Cleo Lane's living room um, and, we, and we did this gig um, and the Dankworth family were there, Dame Cleo Lane was there and it was just, it was incredible. So that's a really cool band. But Thunder as well, I just, a huge part of my, my life and my musical um, journey because Ben from Thunder is one of the guitarists and keyboard players. He hosted my audition for Ozzy Floyd um, and he was the one really who said, get this girl in. Um, and really put the faith in me um, to start my sort of touring career. And then since then, we've I've also recorded on a couple of Thunder albums that reached, um, I think one reached number two in the UK album charts below The Greatest Showman, and the other one was like number seven or something. And we toured that album, and um, we got to record it at the... Um, Rockfield Studios, which is obviously where um, Queen were recording and um, Bohemian Rhapsody was written and recorded. So it's just a huge, um, amazing time um, with them. And they do a Christmas show every year. And so we sing backing vocals for them. Um, and I, thankfully, I love, love arranging all the song, all the BVs for them and stuff. They leave it to me. Just get on with it, Emily. You can you deal with it. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned uh, Ozzy Floyd. Hmm. How did that audition actually come about? I just can't believe it, to be honest. I, I know COVID has happened and I haven't toured for a while, but it's been 10 years with that band and it's just, it's a huge part of my life. I started when I was in my sort of mid-20s and now I'm in my mid-30s. They really have seen me sort of grow into like a woman, you know. Um, and uh, so it came about because I freaked out after my master's degree. Um, I was like, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. Um, how do I start being a singer? So I went on to Star Now and started applying for pretty much everything I could get. And it was it was free in those days. Um, and a woman uh, came about that had done backing vocals for a really uh, high-end, uh, I won't name any mention, uh, mention any names, but a um, really high-end uh, celeb. And uh, she was doing a, her own... Um, her own stuff. So I went down to audition for her own stuff and it was a waste of time. It was a load of just rubbish and they already knew who they were going to take because there was three girls there already and rehearsed together. It's just a waste of time. But it was those girls that I met at that audition that said, well, we can't make this other audition. Do you want to come along? And I was like, yeah, of course. And I lived in Leeds at the time and the audition was in South London. So, and it was like the worst snow that Kent had seen in years. And I was traveling down on a mega bus, which cost a quid. And I was about three hours late for this audition. And I was drenched in sweat and snow. And you know, it was just terrible. I had my wellies on. And uh, and it was a really good audition. It was a really, it felt like a really good audition. I did a I didn't really know who I was um, auditioning for either. I didn't really know any Pink Floyd songs. When they said, can you sing Great Gig in the Sky? I said, well, what's Great Gig in the Sky? I don't know. And they were like, what's Great And I was like, oh, I should have really done my research there. I was like, I'd really offended somebody. But they actually just laughed it off. And, um, and then they asked me back for a second audition. And then the first tour was a few weeks later and we we covered about 56 different places amongst 10 European countries in the space of four months. I mean, bear in mind, I'd, I'd never even, I just left uh, college really, and I'd never even been on a tour bus. I'd never, re I'd never used in-ears before, you know? I just, it was just massive. And now um, I've, you know, I've never taken it for granted because it's just been the most incredible experience. If I didn't ever tour again, 
now because of COVID, I would feel very satisfied oh. that I'd done that. I've been with them. And it's just the guys in the band are just so lovely. And it's a huge, amazing like family network. And all the crew are just, oh, just lovely. And just we're just really lucky. I know in the industry, they've got an amazing reputation. I mean, they are the only... I hate using the word tribute act, but tribute, <laughs> yeah. kind of tribute act to Floyd that Floyd actually endorsed, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I remember when I first joined, um, the Times were there doing an article and um, they said that they're the biggest touring tribute show in the world. Um, and I think they were um, at that time. I'm not sure about now. I think they're still pretty pretty up there. Um, they took all the same venues as all the major artists, all the same arenas, same venues and... Uh, probably maybe not the same amount of people, but there's such a huge. They've got such a huge following. They've been going for thirty years, thirty two years or something. So they have they have really built this from from you know packing their own van in and driving across Australia to a massive arena show. It's just incredible the story. What was that very first show like with them walking out onto stage? Oh gosh, I can't even remember what it was. Oh, I do remember what it was because it was the it was the first show was kind of just for the press, um, and it was at LH Two in London, the rehearsal studios, and um, I shit myself. Um, I did. I just I'm I can nail vocals. There's they're not difficult backing vocal parts. The dance moves weren't hard, but it was just getting used to the in-ears and making sure it was just, I mean, this is a really high-end show. I've got to be absolutely spotless at all times. And I just remember feeling that pressure. Um, and Delara, the other singer, was like, so how does this go again? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about keys for a minute, because mm. you kind of took the leap not that long ago to start going, mm. A, playing piano in bars, but also obviously singing and playing at the same time, which we both know is not the easiest of things to do. <sighs> no, um, I don't know how it happened. I think I broke up with a boyfriend who was a keyboard player. So that immediately thought, well, how am I going to do this? Because we used to have a have a, a duo together. And that actually led me to just really start practicing the piano seriously. And um, thankfully, Ozzy Floyd gave me the time to do that because I'm not due for a sound check until four. I've got all day to do whatever we want. So I just used, I carry my keyboard around, set it up in the, in my dressing room and I'll just sit there all day and practice. And I started practicing the Hannon technique, which are some like little scales. And it suddenly my fingers just started working. Um, and I did it solidly for, for a whole tour. Um, so I could do some walking bass lines with my left hand. And then I sort of, even though I knew, I knew about sort of harmony, it kind of, opened up different things for me seeing it in chords in with my hands so I learned about how to do you know baseless voicings in my right hand so I wasn't playing the same note you know all of those sorts of things I'd never even thought about before and now it's actually made me a better uh, arranger vocal arranger anyway because having the skills on the piano and um that's the, the advice I would give to anybody is um is learn a, learn a second instrument early doors. It's never too late because I learned, started learning six years ago seriously and now I'm, I'm actually a professional piano player that, that goes around and sings and I've, I've played in, in Monaco Casino and like all these cool venues, um, you know, um, the Ritz and it's just, I've been really lucky, um, but I have worked so hard on piano. I have really have. <laughs> it's time for 
the final five. If you were to recommend one album or song, old or new, that everybody should listen to at least once in their lifetime, what would it be? It would be Good Night My Angel by Billy Joel, but not Billy Joel's version. It's the King Singer's live version. It's just beautiful. It's spiritual and like very much plain singing, plain song. It's angelic. I just absolutely love it. Question two. What artists and albums are you currently listening to? Oh, I'm listening to Leanne Le Havis, her album Leanne Le Havis, which was released quite recently. Um, she's an amazing musician uh, and songwriter. I, when I first heard, I was thinking, blimey, she's got a wide vibrato. But over the years, it's kind of like levelled out. And um, she's just incredible. There's an amazing uh, video of her on YouTube doing one of her songs with um, the Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, I think it's on YouTube and it's with the conductor Jules Buckley, um, who is amazing, who does a lot of work with the um, Metropole Orchestra that does the North North Sea Jazz Festival. She is just amazing. And then also Jacob Collier, because I feel like, I mean, obviously he is a genius. Everyone knows he's amazing, but I I do feel like he just seems like such a lovely guy and he wants everyone to learn about what he knows. And um, I feel like in the same way that, dare I say it, Jamie Cullum tried to sort of bridge the gap between jazz and making it more commercial and everyone kind of hated him for it. I feel like Jacob's also doing that and trying to make what he does and what he knows commercial and so that everyone can also understand it and I really like that about him also I mean all the videos and the recordings they're so fun yeah they are they are he, I, he reminds me of a, like an English Kermit the Frog <laughs> doesn't he I just he he does the way he speaks oh hello everyone <laughs> welcome to my channel <laughs> <laughs> right that leads us on to our next question name a musician or artist who has had a profound effect on you and why um, I've been asked this question before, actually, and it's, there's no one famous at all. Nobody famous. It's always people that influence me and wow me the most are the people that I've worked with over the years. So, for example, I've, I've used um, Lizzie Dean before, who's just a working session singer in London, but she marked my final um, gig thing at um, Leeds College of Music. And uh, then she asked me to debt for her, and then I ended up with her in a vintage band that I sing with. And... Just her professionalism, her vocals, how beautiful she is inside and out. She just wants you to do well and really supports you. And I just think there's there's a lack of people in the industry that really support young people or or want, you know, because we're, we're all each other's competition. And she's one that's really just just wowed me with her professionalism and her vocals and everything. She's just amazing. I don't know who else there is. Probably Danny from Thunder again, the lead singer with his amazing vocals. His, I just, I'm just, <laughs> in the morning we'll get up and we have a rehearsal and he just gets the mic and just belts it out. And I'm like, how do you do that? You're amazing. Ugh. But yeah, probably those two. Next question. If it was possible for you to speak to your younger self when you were first setting out, what advice would you give to yourself then? So much. So much. I actually wrote a list of these down as well. Um, 
And one of them was don't listen to what people say about you. It's not a reflection of your abilities. It's a reflection of their insecurities. And I think that is so important for young people. It's just so difficult in this industry. And you get put down a lot um, and made to feel like you're not good enough, but you are enough. You know, there are people out there that will, will think that you are amazing. And, um, and it's happened over the years, you know, and everyone gets knocked, but that's definitely one of them. And to keep going, keep going, never, ever stop. Never, never get the ump and just sack it off because something will happen. Something where if you put the effort in, something will happen for everyone. Learn a second instrument, early doors, definitely, especially if you're a female definitely because female instrumentalists are hard to come by so if you if you look good you can sing well and you can play a little bit of something else that's that will get you work for sure don't leave london i wrote written that one down don't go to Leeds. i did love it there it's amazing sorry i don't want to say anything bad about Leeds country music it was amazing but i just feel like london is where it's at and i feel like i should have stayed say yes to everything even if you're not ready for it and learn it on the job I stupidly said yes to play at the Piano Works, which is the um, request bar, having not really, I think I'd only played piano for about a year and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Sat down and I just couldn't do it. It was just so hard, like having requests and just having to know them and play them and lead a band. But I did it and I'm glad I did it. And it was a learning curve. I'm not sure I'll go back and do it again, (laughs) but but I'm glad I did it, um, even though I failed miserably. Yes, and um, it's never too late to start now as well. It's never too late. I mean, I think women often feel like, oh, you know, you know, I'm going to be reaching 40 soon, you know, and I want to settle down. You know, it's never too late to just sort of just change your your road a little bit. If you, if you don't want to tour anymore, go and do session work or teaching or something. But if you love music, yeah, definitely um, start now, whatever, you're doing, whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and now the last one. Of all the times over the years that you've performed, is there one gig or show that is the most memorable for you? Yeah, it's it's the gig at um, Hammersmith Apollo. Um, when, you know, I used to go and see my dad play in the orchestras and he, I used to wave down at him and he used to wave up at me. And then, you know, in my career, um, my first or their first ever rock gig they'd ever been to, they came to see me at Hammersmith Apollo and when we were waving goodbye at the end of the show, I was waving up at him and he was waving down at me. And it was just that exchange was just incredible. I mean, the gig was great, obviously, because we were playing Hammersmith Apollo for the first time. But it was made extra special because he, that, well, they were there. Um, and it just was a very proud moment. We were crying and everything. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. Emily, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And of course, a big thank you to you, our listeners. Our guest next week is a UK drummer who was stepping in West End shows when he was only 12. He was touring Europe with Alan Price of the Animals when he was just 18. And he's performed on pop recordings with the likes of John Farnham, Five Star and Boy Meets Girl before he joined Chris Barber's Jazz and Blues bands. But he's best known for his hard-hitting, high-energy rock drumming and he's been the drummer with the legendary British rock band Uriah Heep since 2007. If you'd like to find out more, you're going to have to join us then. Take care.